Welcome, I'm Brittany Pacheco, and you're listening to The Watchers in the Basement. Last week on my solo pod, I discussed Season 4, Episode 5 of the Hulu original series, The Handmaid's Tale. If you're not yet caught up on the show, this pod will have major spoilers for you. But before I jump into it, take a minute to follow us on social media, that's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and head over to our YouTube channel to subscribe and hit that notification bell. Comments and likes are always welcome. You can also find our pods over Game of Thrones, The Boys, MCU, etc. on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and more thanks to Anchor.fm. Last week's episode took things even further as Gilead and non-Gilead collide. Now, remember, Nick and Commander Lawrence have had a hand in bombing Chicago where June and Janine were, and now Moira who is part of a humanitarian aid mission, encounters June among the rubble. Now, this episode, entitled Vows, picks up exactly where we left off with the two women staring at one another in this rubble. Now, overcome by emotion, they are going to reunite, obviously, and Moira can think of nothing but getting June out of Gilead. Now there's several problems that will arise and it almost seems impossible for these two women to overcome this situation, but this bond between these two women will prevail. Now we are going to set sail on this episode, once again entitled Vows. Now with this episode, we will see many flashbacks between June and Moira with their pre-Gilead life. Now we open with the friends doing what best friends do, and that's drinking mimosas. I mean, come on, who who doesn't love a good mimosa? And they're sharing these mimosas during a rainy day at their apartment. And this helps establish, or at least remind the viewers, just how close these women were before Gilead. And in another flashback, we will see that there's change. That change is June is moving out of her apartment with Moira to go and live with her fiance, Luke. Now, there's always been some kind of, I don't know, not necessarily rivalry, but there's been some kind of, you know, tension between the two individuals, Moira and, and Luke. And I think it's just more Moira towards Luke, but Moira is not shy about telling June just how she feels about Luke and really implies that the fact that Luke cheated on his first wife with June just means that he's going to do it again. And the other reason why Luke left his first wife was partially because of the fact that she could not get pregnant. Now, this is kind of interesting because of the fact that with with Gilead, there are supposed premises that they're trying to, you know, repopulate the world and, you know, women were either making conscious decisions to not get pregnant or they couldn't get pregnant because of environmental issues or other sorts of things. So the fact that Luke perhaps left his first wife on that basis of, well, we couldn't get pregnant is very disheartening in a way. So the fact that Moira as June's best friend is sharing this information with her, it's disheartening as well, but it's also something that I feel best friends would do. You know, they they look out for each other and want to make sure the other is taken care of. So this reveals, once again, that there's always been tension between Luke and Moira. And, you know, I 
feel that when Moira was able to get out of Gilead and she returned, well, not returned, but she came to Canada and Luke greeted her, she was a little taken aback because of the fact that he, Luke, put Moira on the list of, of family to, you know, look out for. And, and she really was just surprised that, that he did that. But at the same time, it's like, well, why wouldn't he? Because she's June's best friend. She is the godmother to Hannah, June and Luke's daughter. So, you know, the iciness that Moira felt towards Luke, I don't think was ever really, you know, reciprocated. I think Luke was always, you know, coming from a good place. Yes, he made decisions that not everyone's going to agree with, of course, having an affair. But the fact that, you know, he still wanted that sense of normalcy in a foreign country. And that meant having Moira in his life and hopefully June would one day return uh, to Luke and, and Moira and try to live their life the best that they could. Now, June does tell Moira that her marriage with Luke will be much better than his marriage to Annie, his first wife. And there's definitely, you know, some frostiness going on between these women in the wake of of what Moira's had to say. But otherwise, we do see that June is clearly, clearly unsettled by Moira's thoughts and concerns. And in a different flashback, when we see June moving in with Luke, June is prodding Luke about his first wedding. You know, was it in a church? Did they write their own vows uh, about, you know, anything. And he says, no, it's just pretty traditional. And, and she's like, oh, so the better for worse, in sickness and in health, all that stuff. And, and Luke is just like, okay, June, what's, what's the problem? What, what are we getting at here? And Luke does try to reassure June that their marriage is going to be way different than his first. But June is just really... I guess taken aback by by this because she eventually admits that she's just worried that she'll disappoint him and pointing out that maybe she can't have children. What then? Is he still going to want to be with her if they can't get pregnant? And she also questions him about maybe she's a different person than what he thinks she is. And, and Luke tells her, I'll still love you no matter what, I'll love you for who you are. And that's very reassuring for June. And the final flashback that we will see is that of June pacing back and forth outside. Luke walks to her on the street and she tells her, or she tells him rather that, you know, she's pregnant. She's pregnant with Hannah. And just the, the amount of joy that he shows. I mean, he's yelling out in the street, we're having a baby, we're having a baby. A car honks like in congratulations. And, and the fact that, you know, you see these, these individuals trying to start a new relationship and how all, all of their concerns were potentially going to impact their marriage. But now the fact that they've been separated for so long, how, will the fact that Gilead separated them for so many years impact their marriage, right? So let's hope that we're going to find out soon just what things are going to be like with 
June and Luke. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but that's all right because this is a recap. We're gonna break this down. And first and foremost, we're gonna go back to the present, the beginning of the episode where Moira is approaching June in the rubble. And June is clearly very confused. She's somewhat in like a dazed, uh, probably, you know, suffering a concussion of sorts, but she's too busy worrying about Janine rather than focusing on the fact that Moira, her best friend, is in front of her. Moira does tell June that she's badly hurt. She does have an injury on the side of her head. She's bleeding out and, and Moira's just pleading with June, you know, let me take you to the medical tent. Let me take you to the medical tent. And June is just like, no, I need to find Janine. And she's walking around calling out for Janine and, and Moira is trying to get June's attention and says, look, if, if Janine's hurt, she's probably at the medical tent. Let me take you to her. So June finally lets Moira take her with uh, them to the base, the, uh, the humanitarian aid base that they're um, part of, rather that Moira is part of. And while in, in route to that base, the doctor on this truck is, you know, tending to many wounded individuals and, and takes a look at June and says that she's probably suffered a, a concussion of sorts. And Moira's not letting her best friend go. She's got her arm around her, trying to comfort her, keep her warm. And June finally registers who she's with, that, you know, Moira's with her. Yes, she does have an injury, but Moira is just, you know, elated that June finally recognizes her for who she is. You know, this is her best friend again. And she's like, I fucking got you out of here. I fucking got you out of here. And, and remember, Moira has felt guilty about getting out of Gilead and leaving June behind, thus feeling the need that she needed to clean up June's mess during Angel's flight uh, with getting all those kids out of Gilead and into Canada. So at the humanitarian base, Moira's girlfriend, Una, who um, is basically in charge, she's, you hear her on the megaphone telling all the people surrounding this base um, outside this fence that they need to back away. This is not a secured area that they need to leave and find cover because the ceasefire that Nick and and Commander Lawrence from the previous episode um, were going to, you know, uh, cast on, on Chicago, that ceasefire is ending. So the humanitarian aid will be leaving because there may be another bombing that's going to occur. So Moira tells Una that she's found June. And, and this is, you know, someone that Moira has obviously, you know, trusts and has moved on with because again, they're in a relationship and, and hoping that Una will feel the same way that Moira does, but she doesn't. Because the fact that Una is in charge of this humanitarian mission, there are rules that dictate what the aid members can and cannot do. And that means they cannot take refugees with them. So because Una tells that to Moira, this is causing a rift between the two, you know, two women. And Una basically says that we have to leave June behind and we have to work on getting her out from Canada. So if the rescue that they're embarking on is found out by you know Gilead officials that they're trying to get June out. Gilead will potentially ban all international aid to Americans and or you know Gilead citizens. But June 
to Una's opinion, her life isn't worth more than multiple lives. Moira obviously feels very different. She does point out that, you know, June was the one who helped, you know, get all those kids out of Gilead and she refuses to listen ultimately. But June does not want to leave. She initially is all about Janine. Where is Janine? That Moira, you know, misled her about coming with her on the basis that Janine was already at the base. But Moira says, Janine's probably dead. You know, she probably just, what more do you want? Like, there, there's probably no hope for Janine, which I'm a little sad to not find out what happened to Janine, if, if she is gone or not. Maybe she somehow took cover. Maybe she'll go back to Stephen's uh, rebel group, you know, because she was found some sort of normalcy amongst them. But Moira is, is just pleading with June, begging her, crying and yelling at her to not make her leave her behind again. And then June finally reveals the real reason why she doesn't want to leave. She doesn't want to leave Hannah. Despite the fact that she seems like she just wants to fight Gilead and maybe not rescue Hannah in a way, but clearly it's without a doubt that June cannot get to Hannah, at least from inside Gilead. She's going to have to do it from, from outside Gilead. And the fact that June tells or doesn't tell Moira, that Hannah is just scared of, of her. She's more scared of her own mother than, than Gilead, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But Moira questions how will June get to Hannah if she doesn't know where Hannah is? And this is a valid question. The fact that because of June's actions from before, left the Mackenzie family, who, who Hannah is now a part of, they left abruptly from... Boston and moved elsewhere. So the fact that even June was able to see Hannah, I think in episode four, three or four, it was just like, whoa, you know, how, how and why did they arrange that in a way? But again, June has no idea where Hannah is. So Moira insists that the best thing for June to do is to fight for Hannah from Canada. And Moira reminds June that people that she loves are in Canada. Emily, Rita, and baby Nicole. Now I do, I do want to mention, I thought it was really weird that Moira didn't like include Luke at the very beginning of that. Like, why wouldn't June want to see her husband? Granted, yes, I know. She's had a baby with Nick, who's a commander in Gilead. That's going to be an awkward conversation in general when that time comes. But the pleading of your daughter, your baby, she needs you. She needs to be with her mother. Like that in itself is huge. And I understand that June obviously wants to save Hannah. She's her mother. She's supposed to protect her and she couldn't. So obviously there's, there's guilt. No different than Moira having that guilt about getting out of Gilead and June didn't at the time. June eventually is going to board the boat with the humanitarian aid mission uh, individuals. And as she's doing this, she's seeing from the outside that the refugees that were surrounding the base are trying to do just that, trying to get in and trying to board the ship. 
and June is just watching, you know, from a from a hidden location on on the on the boat and horror. I mean, these are people just like her that are trying to survive and and trying to get out of this horrible situation and she somehow was able to make it and they weren't. So on deck, we will see Una and Moira chatting. And Una is noting that it's hard to see suffering when you're the one with the power to help. And she does express sympathy to Moira for not being able to bring June back. And and Moira just kind of plays along like, yeah, you know, you're right. And, and, Lu- and Una will say, well, you know, Gilead is going to inspect this boat before we leave their, their waters, their borders. And that makes Moira have to confess that she smuggled June out of Chicago. So in another scene, we see that Una will gather the rest of the uh, humanitarian aid workers to decide what are we gonna do about June? And she does acknowledge that June's heroism is there, but her rescue will threaten any and all future humanitarian missions. So one woman says, we need to protect June because if we give her back to Gilead, they're just going to kill her. But two other staff members note that by surrendering her for the sake of diplomacy and future missions is more important. And to Moira's surprise, and and I'm sure just agony in general, June just says, just surrender me because her life isn't worth more than anyone else's. And Una is just like, thank you. But as you can probably imagine, they're going to approach the Gilead vessels and Una changes her mind at the last second. She tells the woman who was going to, you know, who wanted to protect June, hey, put her in a vest, make her look like one of us. So this is, this is huge because now we'll see June disguised, but can she fool Gilead officers? So when the officers inspect the staff, we see that they're questioning each member, such as Moira, uh, what is your name? She gives her name and he asks, where are you from? And she says, from Toronto, Canada, born and raised. And when it comes to June, now this infuriated the hell out of me because the fact that I know she has to feel some kind of conflict within herself about putting the humanitarian mission at risk, her best friend, the fact that she left her daughter behind and Janine behind, like she's probably second guessing everything. I'm gonna say that, but then at the same time, I also wanna blame it on her concussion. There has to be some sort of, you know, delay in everything with the brain injury. So when it does come to June's turn, she almost ruins everything because she hesitates on her fake name. And when questioned about her bruises on her on her head, she just kind of like smiles in a like looks at the officer and just smiles and is like, "What are you doing, woman? Like what the hell?" But I don't know if if June just wants to be done with everything because she, remember she did she did say to Aunt Lydia in in the cells, 
she just wanted this to all be over. Like, go ahead and just kill me. Like, I'm done. Like, let it be over. And and maybe in the sense by being in front of a Gilead officer, if she doesn't respond and he kind of clicks and is like, okay, th there's something off about her, maybe she thinks she thinks she dies a martyr. I don't know. It was infuriating to watch. But Moira, you know, steps in and, and basically says to the officer, hey, she got hurt, you know, in the bombing over there and tries to, you know, just smooth talk everything. And June is ultimately cleared with, uh, with being questioned. Also, I just want to point out, if June potentially <laughs> in Gilead is public enemy number one, why wouldn't the officers across, you know, the country just have like her face, you know, permanently burnt into their brain or have like some kind of reference of making sure that she, you know, doesn't escape Gilead? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, how do they not believe in photos? I mean, just out of curiosity, it's really dumb in my opinion about that. But anyway, so once the ship is cleared, Una and Moira are in the middle of breaking up because of the fact that Una was forced to choose between giving up June to Gilead or saving her with so much at stake. And, and Una really feels that saving June is going to ultimately make the humanitarian effort be shut down by Gilead. And that remains to be seen at this point, but it's really clear that Moira, her choice was her friend over her girlfriend. And it's really sad to see that obviously, because I feel like when Moira did come to Canada and she, you know, discovered that her girlfriend or fiance, whoever the, the doctor was at the time, you know, she found out that she was killed. And that was very heartbreaking for Moira. And then of course, not having June with her and then having baby Nicole come into their lives when, when Moira never wanted to be a mother. So there's a lot that's going on here, but maybe this will open doors for Moira and someone else um, in the future. I'm not sure who, but we'll just have to wait and see. So after the breakup, Moira finds June is <laughs> doing what June does best. And is that is pretty much just wanting to be on the move and fleeing the situation at hand. So June is trying to untie a life raft and Moira's just now pissed at this point. She's just like, oh my God, how do you keep doing this? How and why do you keep risking your life? And June, you know, has it out with Moira and tells her, that she tricked her into leaving Hannah behind, leading uh, Moira to to then understand and realize that there had to have been something that happened between June and Hannah. And June finally breaks down to say that Hannah was more scared of her than of Gilead. Her daughter didn't even recognize her, even feared her. And June just ultimately feels so guilty about causing all that suffering for Hannah and the fact that she couldn't save her. And, and, and I think rightfully so, she feels worried about what Luke is going to think or say when, when they encounter one another. 
that he wouldn't forgive her for leaving Hannah behind. And, and Moira's just like, what are you talking about? This is, this is Gilead that's talking. You know Luke better than that. Like, you know he'll understand and that no one expects you to be a superhero. You're a person. And June finally comes to the conclusion that this is what it is. She now is, you know, fine with her rescue, if you will. And the fact that it wasn't an easy decision for anyone. Moira, in a way, well, not in a way, she did. She betrayed Una. Una probably feels she betrayed her mission. And June betrayed her want to save Hannah from Gilead. So we're hopefully going to see that all of these decisions were for the best and things will look to be more hopeful. Now, this last scene, I was really, you know, taken aback just a little bit, not knowing how quickly June was going to see Luke, but I mean, he's basically there waiting. Uh, June needs a minute on the ship before she sees her husband. And this is now, I'm trying to think how many years would it have been since she last saw her husband. I want to say she's been in, been in Gilead for at least five years. So that probably puts Hannah at about 10 or so. And yeah, so, okay, let's, let's just say for conversation's sake, it's been about five years, five, six years since she's seen Luke. And he runs onto the boat and you can hear him asking like, where is she, where is she? And, you know, they stare at one another almost like, wow, I'm, I'm so happy to see you. But then you can see that June is starting to feel something inside of her and she starts breaking down and she starts apologizing to Luke for not getting Hannah out. And you could just hear her say it over and over and over again. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me, sidebar, Elizabeth Moss performance in this episode in particular was just great. Um, I Prior to The Handmaid's Tale, I really never saw her, really never knew who she was, truthfully. And if I did see her in movies, again, didn't register who she was. But she is just phenomenal in this show. And the fact that she seems to be carrying all this weight, obviously, and it weighs on her shoulders and just being able to put on the emotion or to just cover it up and be pissed off. Like her range is just, it's incredible to watch. But the fact that you almost feel like, wow, she actually went through this. Like she, Elizabeth Moss, went through the fact that she couldn't save her own daughter. And to see it play out on the screen is, is awesome. So I do want to wrap up this and point out something really cool. So Luke hugs his wife tightly for the very first time in many years. And as they're walking off the boat, and there's great camera work here with, with the uh, kind of, not quite aerial, but above, above the headshot of June uh, walking um, on the, I guess you can call it like the bridge or step, I don't know, from the boat to land. She comes to the very edge of it before she steps off. And the camera, you know, from the head pans downward to her face and she hesitates. She hesitates to getting off the boat. She takes a deep breath 
steps off and the camera just zooms in on her face. And then you see the title credits, The Handmaid's Tale. Now I wanna talk about this very briefly just because of the fact that I thought this was a great, great way of sequencing the fact that by her stepping off the boat onto Canadian soil and then The Handmaid's Tale following that, it's an end of an era. She is no longer a handmaid of Gilead. And this is a new start for June. And hopefully it's one step closer to ending Gilead and getting Hannah back. So that basically wraps up the episode, The Vows. I love this episode. I think it was very well done. There wasn't like a crazy amount of action or things like that. But the fact that we now see June is on Canadian soil. I, I'm just so excited for the rest of the season. We only have about four more episodes left of season four. And it makes me very hopeful for this show, if not they're gonna create a, a new series called The Testaments because we're definitely going in the direction of The Testaments and I'm just so excited for that. So yeah, this pretty much, as I said, wraps up today's solo pod of The Handmaid's Tale. Now, once again, don't forget to follow The Watchers in the Basement on our social media platforms and our YouTube channel. And we would really appreciate it if you could help grow our audience by sharing this podcast to others and also using hashtag WatchersBasement when you tweet at us, use it on Instagram, Facebook, wherever. We'd really appreciate any buzz that you all can generate. It would mean so, so much to us. So, Thanks again for tuning in. I'll be back next week for the recap of the seventh episode of The Handmaid's Tale entitled Home. See you then.